Sir, how are you? Good. Can we talk with you for just a moment? No, I'm busy. You couldn't answer any of our questions? I wouldn't talk to you under any condition. Why is that, sir? Forget it. Scram. Get out of here. Sir, I understand now that look, these... get away from me. Get away from me. We're allowed to be on the streets, sir. I don't want to talk to you. Get away from me. How do you feel about the security guards look, get being away taken from, off of you, sir? Get away from me or I'm going to throw you out in the middle of the street. Sir, uh, one more question. I'm telling you, get away from me. You were the symbol of law and order in Philadelphia, sir. For many years, people looked up to you and respected me. you. Look, creep, get out of here. How could you justify your actions at our cameras last Monday creep, in front of your get house? Out. You're a creep. We're a member of the media. We'd you're like to a, have an answer to you're our question. You're a creep. Why did you attack our cameras? Sir? Get it all. Don't miss any of it. You're a creep. Get away from me. Would you answer the question? You know, you hide behind that press card. I'm not hiding Give behind me. anything, sir. Well, I just you, want I'll to get some answers. I'll tell you what to do. There's a gang of you here. There's enough of you here. By myself, I'll take you physically. Well, I'm not asking I'll you go, to take me physically. Well, get away from me. Well, sir, I'm on the if public street. I should, be, I should be authorized to be here. That... I'll break it off your head. I'll break it over your head. Get away from me, you crumb. That's a challenge, except I'll put my dog away, and I'll come back. And you got one, two, three. And I'll do it alone with you. It's in that back of that fence. Just the three of us, four of us, me and you. Show you what kind of a man you are. You're less than a man. Okay? You're a crumb creep. And I wouldn't take that off of nobody. And there's three of you and I'm by myself. And when it's over, there'll be nothing to it. Win or lose, okay? But you don't have the courage. You're a real crumb bum. Put that on camera. You're a crumb bum, the three of you. And I challenge you. You're a coward. You're a yellow sneak. And if you want to... Now, what I say... Let's forget all the rules of this great country we live in. I will go back to that wall with the three of yous. Just me. There is a You're a here. crumb creep coward. You can't take... You don't. You won't stand up to a I'm man. St I'm standing up. We're not here to fight. We're here to get some answers no, to no, some questions. Answers, That's all. I want to fight you. Why is that? Because you're a crumb, creep, lush coward. You don't even know me, Mayor. You are a lush. I can tell by looking at you. I was a cop all my life, and I know a lush when I see one, and you're a lush. You're going to have a hell of a story on that one. Play <laughs> every word of it, Crumb. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Welcome to South Philly's only podcast with your hosts, Marky Mark and Tony Nicky Jr. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now on the mark, and we are coming to you live from Charlottesville, Virginia, in the midst of the riots and rallies as this city is burning to the ground. On the mark is posted up, giving you guys what you need, the 2017 official on the mark NFL record predictions. We're doing this amidst freak Bernie Sanders protesters to the left, white trash neo-Nazis to the right, statues are crumbling down, and we're staying focused, we're in the zone, and we're ready to deliver on some big-time NFL picks. Benny's here. Benny's a little nervous, being the uh, being of Jewish descent. Benny, how you feeling, man? You know, I'm a little uneasy in here, Mark. You got Nazis all over. I thought we already won a war about this, did we not? Yep, back-to-back -back champs. Yeah, I thought <laughs> I thought we did away with the Nazis. I don't understand that. 
I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not really condoning anybody else, but uh, the Nazis, I just don't get it. Where did the Nazis pop up from out of nowhere? I feel like this is an Indiana Jones movie of some sort. Nazis. I hate these guys. They're a bunch of backwoods idiots, man. It's crazy. Yeah. I uh, cannot believe the scene down in Charlottesville, but at the same time, I, uh, I can't dedicate every single thought to it, Benny. I gotta, you know move on with my life. I gotta lay down this on the mark episode. We haven't done one in a while and uh, week one is right around the corner and it's time to uh, talk ball. Yeah, the season's coming like a jail on wheels, man. I'm excited for it though. A lot of money is to be made this season. The preseason has started and you know the preseason's bogus but it's just cool to see football back on and I love how they put it on like five nights a week. You got college right around the corner too. I'm, sure. I'm amped up, man. The one thing I'm annoyed about for year number two in a row, ESPN and the rest of the copycat media are making the preseason storyline about protesting. I'm not worried about the protesting on the sideline, man. I don't give a fuck who sits or whatever during the national anthem. Stay in the locker room if you want. I don't care. I'm worried about the fourth, fifth, sixth round picks, the rookies, the free agent acquisitions. I want to see how they look. That's my intrigue, because I'm a real football fan. I'm not worried about the soap opera nonsense. It's beyond annoying and beyond played out at this point. Oh, it's so annoying, Mark. If I wanted to watch the news, I would turn on CNN. But there's a reason why CNN's not talking about this sports news. Because it's not real sports news. Right. Like, it's not a real story. Where does the concept come from that football and the NFL have to be this representation of society. It really makes no sense. It's just a game. It makes absolutely no sense. It's a business and a game. Yeah. And it's not a representation of everyday society. Now, this is my one defense. When I was over at a uh, local radio, sports radio station working there, Benny, years ago, I said to myself, Jeez, I do not like talking about sports 24-7. It feels kind of shallow. So maybe that's what these writers and journalists and what have you are thinking, and they're dying to make the sports about something else. Yeah, I can see that. Listen, I understand sports shouldn't be talked about 100% of the time, but you got to stay in your lane even when you're expanding your horizons. Right, you right, know what right, I mean? Right. Absolutely, and that's something ESPN just does not know how to do. Not at all. I mean, we're in the middle of the uh, MLB dog days of summer, pennant race, teams jockeying for position, and you barely see any of that stuff on ESPN. I mean, you know, maybe if Major League Baseball had a CTE scare and more protesting, then, you know, we'd probably see ESPN double, triple its coverage of baseball. Yeah, I bet. It's all where the money is. And sometimes it's a false rating, I feel like, they have on all this Kaepernick stuff and the race. Nobody wants to hear this. And they get bogus numbers on this, Mark. Yes. And out of nowhere, they think that's where the people want to learn. No, I want to hear about camp battles. I've watched ESPN all day. I haven't heard one word about a battle in a training camp. Right. Not right, one. Right. And that's not today. That's every day. And then when ESPN talks about fights in training camp, they make it like it was an inner city riot. And yeah. They, just, they think it cut. 
Fights in training camp have happened since the beginning of football. Yes. It's the most common thing. It happens in high school. It happens at all levels. It's a total joke what ESPN is trying to do. I'm actually thrilled because I'm about to totally get away from cable. I have no need for it anymore. All the alternate uh, ways to watch games, uh, watch movies, even sports coverage. I don't need ESPN. I don't even need cable anymore. I'm, I'm starting to lean in that direction, too. I've had a lot of friends do that. And it sounds great, honestly. And cable's so damn expensive. Yeah. And at this point, what am I really watching? They're not giving me anything They're not giving you what you want. Out of nowhere, if, if I'm, anything, I'm turning on Netflix. Your, yes. If anything, they're making your anxiety levels go up listening to the nonsense. Uh, it's just such bogus nonsense on there, Mark. Now, I'm with you. Now, that takes me to another thing. Speaking of bogus nonsense and... And this clown, Rob Manfred, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, dying to speed up these games. Okay, man, you want to speed up the games. What you have to do, you have to reduce the commercial time. It's not about batters stepping in and out of the box. It's not about mound visits. You have to reduce the commercial time. Find other ways to utilize the commercials during games, whether it's split screen, a mini commercial, or even the game goes to a miniature size for 20 seconds. Whatever you have to do, that's the ticket. Yeah. Not changing the way the game's been played for the past 120-some-odd years. No, baseball's a chess match. And sometimes chess matches, you take a second to figure out the right move. Right. And if you have to bring in three relievers in an inning, I'm not necessarily condoning it, but if you get the three outs and you win the game, then who's really wrong? Look. What, like, who's going to watch more baseball because it takes six minutes less? You're not going to cut an hour and a half off the game, and if you do, it's not the same game. Not to mention, a round of golf is longer. Sure. The average football game with commercials and halftime is longer. Sure. It's a total joke. Do not alter the way baseball is played. Do not give Major League Baseball the NFL treatment and change the goddamn game, please. Absolutely not. And speaking of golf, I was watching the PGA Championship last weekend. And at the end of the day, they were doing that mini commercial off to yes. the side. They, the golfers are walking down the fairway. Yeah, what's more boring than that? To their ball. <laughs> and they don't even leave for a commercial. Right. They and, leave it on. Right, exactly. So you can easily have a pitcher warming up. Absolutely. You can watch an at-bat or two. And, and I'll tell you what. Uh, I'd probably version. watch more baseball games if you showed everything that was going on in between innings. It would be like being at the stadium. Totally. And here's the other thing. Justin Thomas. Rolex congratulates Justin Thomas I on saw his first that. PGA Championship. I saw that. Love Rolex. Gotta love Rolex. Justins do well in this world, don't they? Yeah, usually. A lot of strong Justins out there. A lot of famous, successful Justins. Yeah, absolutely. You I'm might not right expect that you. from such a bogus kind of name. Well, it's a Jewish name. <laughs> Don't worry, Betty. I'm not with these Nazis. Yeah, I shouldn't with, say not, that, that so loud I'm about here. I'm not with any of these freaks out here. I shouldn't say I'm so loud down norm, here, I'm, man. I'm about being a normal American. Yeah, seriously. And treating people how they deserve to be treated. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know? I hear you. And here's the other thing with football. Okay, there has been some talk about people losing interest. And I put that on three factors. Political views of the players. With social media, with all the TV coverage, all the new channels, we get to know these players very closely. And frankly, I don't know if the average American really likes them. 
Yeah. Well, that's you know, not that's that surprising. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, <laughs> you know, uh, they're not the most interesting people. Right. So I don't know if the 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 real football fan really cares about uh, the players' uh, daily life. We care about the production on the field. We don't care about the players' daily life, daily opinions. Uh, where they eat, where they take a shit. Because that's how close we get to know these players via Twitter, Snapchat, uh, all the other outlets. Mark, let's call it what it is. We care about the team. Yes. And if the guy's on our team, then we care about him. Right. But if the guy was drafted by the Colts three years ago, I wouldn't have cared at all about right, him. Right. The other factor, penalty flags. Uh, the NFL games have been ridden with penalty flags and commercials. So delay in play. Very boring, very tedious, too many rules, very annoying to watch at times. Did you catch the latest Hard Knocks when they brought in Ed Hockley to the Bucks camp? I'm done with that show. Uh, I, I don't, still I watch don't, it. I don't watch Hard Knocks I anymore. still watch it because, you know, why not? It's not that interesting, Yeah. but it's still somewhat of an inside look. I'm such a junkie. Yeah, yeah, no, I hear you. I, I watched about 45 minutes of the first episode. It didn't grab me. Uh, maybe it's because... We've experienced Deshaun Jackson here in Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, Jameis Winston's just like a kid to me. I like him. You know, I like him. I like him as a player, but he doesn't interest me. He's like a kid to me. He's like a big kid. Me. He reminds me of Cam Newton in that he's just going to find a way to win. Yeah. See, Cam Newton doesn't interest me either. Um, Gerald McCoy doesn't interest me. No. Um, the head coach... Uh, Dirk Shitcutter totally doesn't interest me at all. Uh, oh, speaking of Gerald McCoy, though, that's what I was going to bring up. They had Ed Oculey in camp talking about what you can do, what you can't do as far as celebrations go. And Gerald McCoy was fucking with him a little, being like, Ed, what if I move my knee like this? Yeah. What if I move my knee like that? Yeah. And, like, he that's... was joking, but at the same time, that's how ridiculous it is because what he was doing should never be penalized. But Ed's like, uh, you know, I mean, it yeah. might, depending yeah, on the guy, be penalized. sexual innuendo. Yeah, and he's rules. like, I'm moving my knees. I'm not moving my hips. Yeah. It's all knees. Yeah. But, like, it's... But uh, why do these players have to push the limit? Sure. You know, sure. What, if I was to say that a, a grown man can't control himself, if I was to say these players can't control themselves, how would that come across? It would sound wrong. Yeah, but at the same time, in the moment, yeah, in yourself. the heat of the moment, you're seeing red, and you don't know exactly what you... I mean, you do know exactly what you're doing, but you just don't realize Like I said what about Antonio doing. Brown during the season, it raises questions for me when a grown man scores a touchdown for his team, for his city, and his first reaction is to twerk. It, it, it raises some red flags for me. Now, the third part, people losing interest in the NFL. Oversaturation. Thursday, Sunday, Monday. And college football does not suffer from this because, frankly, we get college football like five days a week. So, once again, it's the oversaturation of personalities, once again, that I think a lot of the average fans just don't connect with, don't relate to, and don't really care that much about. Yeah, well, the NFL created these two products in Thursday night and Monday night. Obviously, Monday night's been around for a while. Yeah. Monday but they Night didn't... Football was a staple of America. Yeah. Until it moved to ESPN. And then they stopped nurturing the games. So they gave them the horrible games. You'd give them the Browns versus the Ravens and be like, oh, it's a huge rivalry. Right, right, right. And it might be a big rivalry, but when Cleveland sucks, what big of a rivalry is it? I don't right. want to watch 34-7 on Monday night and be tired at right. work on Tuesday. The game just doesn't look as cool when it's not on cable. 
The game looked amazing on ABC. Sunday Night Football looks amazing on NBC. Uh, just the ESPN, um, uh, the way they format the game, the way they present the game, I don't know if it's the type of cameras, whatever, it just doesn't have a gleam. It doesn't have an aura to it. It's very hard to explain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not no, to mention yeah. the, the booths have had no buzz. I mean, Gruden's great, but uh, Tarico's a snooze fest. McDonough's a snooze fest, and the only reason he got the job is because he's got two brothers with NFL lineage. I believe his one brother's uh, working for the Bucks now, like assistant GM or yeah. something like that. But anyway, you know, so... Look, Benny, get us the break, and when we get back in, we're going to unveil these uh, preseason predictions for the NFL. Was the prototype like three stacks on that CD? An example of the perfect candidate now. All your girlfriends say that you don't want to see me. You are now on the mark with the James Bond Podcast. Your host, Marky Mark. So real quick, Benny, before we get into this, uh, into these preseason predictions, had a few real nice conversations with our good friend Mike Missinelli over at 97.5 The Fanatic. Yeah, I love Mikey Miss. Yeah, man. Ended up winning uh, two tickets over to Fantasy Fest. August 26th at Xfinity Live. It's like 97.5, the Fanatics version of Wing Ball. Yeah, good for you. They pack in Xfinity Live. And that's going to be a good day because it's the same uh, night as Mayweather McGregor. And uh, you know me, I'm giving McGregor a chance. Not many people are. As they shouldn't. As they shouldn't, but I'm just vibing out, giving him a weird chance. Yeah, well, they just went down to 8-ounce gloves. Yeah, how about that? And they, petitioned, and they petitioned for that late. Yeah. Found that kind of interesting. I, I think it's interesting, too, Mayweather talking about uh, he's not the same fighter he was. A lot of reports out of his camp that his training hasn't been all that stellar. Uh, that, to me, sounds like uh, they're trying to downplay him and maybe, uh, you know, catch uh, McGregor believing something like that. And maybe not going as hard or not ramping up even more. You know what I mean? Well, they're not sold out yet. It's like a week and a half before the fight. I mean, he's going on Kimmel. What do you mean you're on Kimmel? Is that like X? <laughs> no, it's a TV show. Do you have any X? No, no, I don't have any X. Yeah, I know. Like, I know. good point. Yeah. When you see a fighter do that pre-mega fight. Never. Never. Pre any fight, let alone a mega fight. Yeah. And uh, and he's saying how he's got, got to switch up his style. Yeah, yeah. yeah that makes it, no sense. It's weird. It's a circus. As we said from day one, it's a circus. But it's a circus you got to see. You got to see it, sure. But it's like when Muhammad Ali fought a sumo wrestler. Right, right, right. You right. know? 
you know who's going to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I hear that. It's, uh, it's going to be nuts, man. It's go- the, 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 the weigh-in, the walk to the ring, all that is going to be good stuff. I just have this vibe that some shit is going to happen in that ring that is going to be pretty good theater. Yeah, it kind of reminds me possibly of the South Park episode where Satan fought Jesus and Satan just put all his money on Jesus because everybody bet on Satan. (laughs) And Jesus was like plus 700 and Satan just made a killing off of just diving on the fight. Mayweather might throw this whole paycheck on McGregor and really clean up. Then buy himself the whole fucking boxing sport. Yeah, holy shit. That would be... uh... You can't put anything past these boxing creeps. No. So, you know, you never know. He's going to Bruce Willis them from Pulp Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction, yeah. That's that's too good. Next time we see Floyd, he's going to be on Tennessee time, man. Yeah, right? And and here's the other thing. Here's the other thing now. Getting away from, from that spectacle to another spectacle that we briefly mentioned earlier. I just had to sign a petition to keep the Frank Rizzo statue up in, in Center City. And I just uh, signed a petition for the Frank Rizzo mural to remain in South Philly. Yeah, I saw all that. We have to keep our statues and our, our murals, man. The guy's not Joseph Stalin. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> unbelievable. Unbelievable. They just yeah. take it too far. I get, like, you know, a Confederate general. Fine. You're somewhere in the South that's still flying Confederate flags. You want to take down the Confederate statue? Right, right, right. That's one thing. This is Philadelphia. Right. Frank Rizzo hired the most black police officers in city history. That's a fact, Jack. Just look it up. So that sounds like equality to me. That sounds like racial fairness to me. Yeah. You know, people like to ignore certain issues. Sure. And, you know, blow out of proportion other things. Sure. Everything's a big deal now. Everything's uh, offensive. Everything's uh, devastating. What happened to the 90s, man? Yeah, really. The 90s were, were special. I enjoyed the they 90s. Were. That was a good decade to grow up in. It was the best decade, man. It was. Even the NFL was better. Yeah, seriously. Without a doubt. The only thing that was worth is that you couldn't see it as good. The HD has really made it better. But that's literally the only thing. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? You didn't know any better, so it didn't matter. Seriously. You didn't know what you were missing. Yeah, very true. And the bars would pack in more because not everybody had a big screen TV in their house. Absolutely. And it didn't matter that the picture was a little worse because at the bar, it was all worse everywhere. Well, and, and, and we had the big screen TVs, which was like a advance in technology yeah so absolutely. you know monday night football the bars were packed all day sunday the bars were packed those are good days no nfl red zone no 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 fantasy football really on well a... <laughs> as much as big as i am into fantasy god i miss days without fantasy football espn those morons at espn caught a lot of heat yesterday oh my god i saw this those morons at espn caught a lot of heat the other day for doing a 24-hour fantasy football uh, marathon where they were auctioning off players. And one of the hosts, I don't know who it was, fatter, middle-aged white guy, held up like a auction thing with Odell Beckham's face on it. So there were people on Twitter that said it looked like a slave trade. Uh, Odell Beckham tweeted in response he was speechless. I don't know which direction he was speechless in. Like, it doesn't matter or I'm offended. I'm sure he was offended. Probably. But it's absolutely ridiculous because 
if the host, whoever the guy was, was Asian, Spanish, Indian, any other descent, and the player was white or Spanish or Asian, any other descent, it wouldn't be that quotation here, visual. So once again, it was just another far reach by these race-baiting nuts. And it's pretty funny that they would even go after ESPN. It's absolutely ludicrous that the ESPN called heat for this. And it's like you said, it's so ironic. It's ESPN's worst that nightmare. It's ESPN. This is all ESPN has tried to avoid the last fucking 10 years. I know. And out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're the oh, worst. They're slave traders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they issued a, um, a full-on apology for it. Yeah, sure. Which is unreal. I mean, well, it, it's so out of control. The popsicle stick company that held the Odell Beckham head had to put out right. a quote about how they weren't involved. Right. Un unreal. Yeah. Uh, the one good thing I will say that ESPN does, and not all of them, but a lot of them are the 30 for 30s. Ah, uh, so good. And man, was the Mike and the Mad Dog 30 for 30 awesome or what? Ah, uh, it was so great. It, it made me miss that show so much. Yeah, well, we used to get that channel down here on the radio. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember listening to it quite often when I would get sick of Philly Sports Talk Radio. I listen to it all the time. I have a lot of family from up north Jersey, out in New York area. I listen to that all the time, Mark. I know, I know. And at the end, man, when they officially made the, the break, it I got teary-eyed when Mad Dog's father called Francesa uh. and said... Can, can I still call you whenever I want? Can we still talk? Ah, uh, that was the best moment. Because the whole backstory of Francesca's father leaving him yeah. when he was nine years old. Sure. And him being the uh, man of the house at a very young age. Yeah. Because he was the oldest in the house. They did a great job with that 30 for 30, as yeah. they always do. Yeah, yeah, that was really, really good. Yeah, that might have been my favorite one ever. Because it really just I, hit I think, home. Yeah, I think it was probably my favorite, too. Because it, it probably hit home more than any of the other ones for us. And the uh, the Ric Flair one coming in November, that has a lot of potential. Prayers up right now for uh, Ric yes. Flair. Medically Absolutely. induced coma. Had uh, col colon surgery. Scary stuff. Terrifying. Uh, Rick's up there in age, so prayers his way for sure. Absolute icon, American icon was so glad I met him at Wing Bowl this past year, uh, and it's funny how these things kind of happen. Yeah, it happened out of nowhere, man. You know? Out of nowhere. Yeah. I always thought he didn't look great. I always thought yeah. he looked worn down, beat up. Well, He's those been old wrestlers between sure. the drugs right. and his, the PDs and child, the late yeah, nights. His and child the... suicide. Oh, 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 He's been through a lot. Yeah. I, I didn't think he looked great, but... Regardless, he can still kick out one more time here. And uh, he can still pull through, hopefully. God bless. Yeah, that's right. With no further ado, now, your 2017 official on the mark season predictions. Starting with the AFC East. We have the New England Patriots, the loaded New England Patriots. A lot of people calling for 16-0. and 0. Uh, I don't know if I see a 40-year-old quarterback and a quote-unquote super team living up to the expectations of 16-0. and 0. Still think they're a first-place team. 
I got the New England Patriots at 13 and 3. I have the Jay Cutler's Miami Dolphins. I'm a big believer in Adam Gase. I uh, like Jay Ajayi a lot. Uh, their defense does some things. I got the Miami Dolphins at 9 and 7. Sean McDermott's Buffalo Bills. A lot of transitioning here. Just traded away. Sammy Watkins, Ronald Darby. I have them at 6 and 10. The New York Jets. A lot of people have them at 0 and 16. A lot of people calling for 0 and 16. On the mark has the New York Jets at 1 and 15. The AFC North, Pittsburgh Steelers winning that division at 10-6. Cincinnati Bengals, 9-7. The Baltimore Ravens with Joe Flacco at quarterback. He's a blue hen. He is a blue hen. This is with Joe Flacco at quarterback, not Colin Kaepernick. We have the Baltimore Ravens at 8-8. Eight and eight. The lowly Cleveland Browns, who I actually think Hugh Jackson, I think they are starting to right the ship some, but they're still too young, too inexperienced, too under-talented. Predict Deshaun Kaiser will be their quarterback. I have them at 4-12. and 12. The AFC South. This is one of the trickiest divisions to break down, but we're going to do our best. I'm a huge Marcus Mariota fan. Not totally convinced he can stay healthy yet, and they are a run-first offense. Not a huge believer in Mike Malarkey, and I'm not a huge believer in Terry Rubisky. But I have them winning the division at 10-6. and six. The Houston Texans, I'm a big believer in Bill O'Brien. Any NFL head coach that can win with underwhelming talent at the quarterback position and maximize whoever he has at the quarterback position, that's usually a good sign that they're a very strong coach. So whether it's Savage or Watson for the Texans, and we're probably going to see both guys if I had to guess this year. Uh, I have them in second place in that division at 9-7. and seven. The Indianapolis Colts are a team that you would think would be able to compete for a Super Bowl every year with Andrew Luck. He's not going to necessarily be ready week one. He's not. He has not practiced really all offseason training camp. He's... Uh, banged up because they just have not protected their top investment. I have the Colts at 7-9. The Jacksonville Jaguars. This time last year, the national media and even some other niche type of reporters, the Jaguars were a sexy pick. People thought they could win the division or be a wild card team with an explosive offense. I did not see that happening whatsoever, and I told people throughout the year they were going to stink. Some of those young guys on defense are a year older. They added some pieces now on, on defense, some veteran pieces, and I'm a huge Doug Marone fan. 
Doug Marone had the Bills at 9-7. and seven. Doug Marone is a pretty damn good coach. I think he's going to pull the reins in on Bortles. I think he's going to squeeze blood from a stone in that situation. I think the Jags are going to be a little better than everybody thinks this year. And I got the Jags at 6-10. and 10. The AFC West. One of the best divisions in football. If not the best. Many are saying. Quite frankly, I don't agree. I have the Raiders winning the division at 11-5. They won a lot of close games last year, but they're more experienced this year, and they've added more talent via free agency and the draft. So those close games that they won aren't going to be as close this year. 11-5 Raiders. Second place. I'm a huge believer in Andy Reid teams in the regular season. The defense is loaded. Tyreek Hill is a stud. And they do creative things to get other speedy guys the ball. I got the Chiefs at 10-6. Now, the LA Chargers and the Denver Broncos, I think, are going to have very poor seasons. The Chargers are somehow becoming a sexy pick. Uh, to compete this year. I've had some I've seen some people have them winning the division. I've had some people I've seen some people have them at being a wild card team. No shot in hell. They don't have the discipline. They don't have the talent. First year head coach Anthony Lynn is in over his head. He was the interim coach for the Bills last year. He's never been a coordinator, and that doesn't define him, but it's not like he was an offensive line coach. Uh, he was a running backs coach, I believe, Benny. Anthony Lynn is in over his damn head. The media is getting nostalgic about Phillip Rivers, who very well may be a Hall of Famer, so they're trying to will them into the playoffs. Uh, the receivers can't stay healthy. The defense cannot stop anybody. Yes, Joey Bosa's good. Yes, Melvin Ingram's good. Yes, they got some other guys that can compete. But, you know, that's not the end-all, be-all. They're in a new scheme. Um, that defense isn't going to come around immediately and be uh, game-changers. I got the Chargers at 6-10. and 10. The Denver Broncos, Vance Joseph, another guy in over his head. He will not maximize Trevor Simeon. He will not maximize Paxton Lynch. Jamal Charles, who they picked up, hasn't even practiced and probably isn't even going to make the team. Even if he could maximize the quarterback play, it's still not enough. The defense is another year older. I have the Broncos at 6-10 and 10 as well. So there it is. There's our AFC predictions. And when we get back, we're going to hammer out our NFC predictions.
are now on the mark with the Justin Bieber podcast, your host, Marky Mark. And you know what, Mr. Spielberg, what I like so much about these predictions, Mike Missinelli on a lot of them right there with us. You know, when I was talking to him last week and the week prior, he's right there with us on a lot of this stuff, a lot of this uh, state of certain franchises. Yeah, well, he's a smart man, and so are we. Yeah, he's the 14th best uh, radio show in the country for a reason, and we're Philadelphia's number one podcast for a reason. Absolutely. People speak. Yep, yep, exactly. With no further ado, now the official On The Mark 2016-17 NFC record predictions, starting with the NFC West. I have the Seahawks in a bounce-back type of year, a few less distractions coming out of Seahawks camp. I have them at 11-5 because of the inefficiencies of the Rams and Niners, and honestly the Cardinals too. I think this is a very weak division. I think they foreseeably go 6-0, 5-1 in the division alone. I have in second place the Cardinals at eight and eight, an aging Larry Fitzgerald, an archaic Carson Palmer, a mediocre offensive line, and David Johnson, who is a stud, but coming off injury, and we don't know if he can stay healthy. He's a he's a freak. He's a super freak. He's a specimen, but we don't know if he can stay healthy. So we have the Cardinals in second place at 8-8. Eight and eight. Third place is nothing more than a coin flip. I'm going to give it to the Rams at 3-13. and 13. You know what, Benny? Let's scratch that one. Let, I'm going to pump it up to 4-12 and because of the Wade Phillips effect. I think Wade will bail them out a little bit. I think the Sammy Watkins acquisition will help Goff some. I think they totally stink. I think the organization has actually secretly given up on Goff. Uh, he looks stiff to me. I don't see an overwhelming fastball. When I see him talk to the media, uh, I don't see the enthusiasm. I don't see the leadership qualities. Some people still believe in him. Some VIP listeners of our show and some of our NFL insiders on the mark believe in him. I don't. Total bust. I'm pretty sure the Rams organization has given up on him. 4-12. and 12, Maybe they run the ball well with Gurley. Maybe Goff gets hot one or two or three games. And Wade Phillips' defense does their thing. The San Francisco 49ers, who I just saw today have hired a, from what it sounded like, a full-time assistant female coach. Totally ridiculous. She never played the goddamn game at any type of substantial level. At the most, what, she played high school football, freshman football, JV football in high school, and that would never cut it for a male. It's totally absurd. I don't care how much she loved the game. Because um, I love things. And I wouldn't get the opportunities in those fields that I love. So it's not a fucking valid reason for me. It's a waste of my goddamn time. It's a PR stunt. 
It's perfect for the city of San Francisco. It's perfect for California. Will it make them a better football team? If you can honestly say yes, you're full of shit. If you, you truly believe that, you, you're clueless. With all that being said, hey, kudos to her. I'm assuming it's a dream come true. God bless her. It better be a dream it come true. It better be a goddamn dream come true. Total joke. They are in over their head as a franchise. Uh, between the Harbaugh debacle, the Colin Kaepernick endless saga, and now transitioning to a new regime, they are in a world of trouble. No quarterback. They're kind of competing now for a Sam Darnold or one of those top-tier quarterbacks, maybe a Rosen. Um, I got the 49ers at 3-13, uh, and 13. and that's generous. I'm going to be honest with you. My gut, I could put the Rams, Niners, and Jets all at 1-15. It just seems preposterous that three teams could go 1-15. So I'm not going to you know, put that in our official on the mark predictions. The NFC North, a stronger division. A lot of people very high on Green Bay. I like Green Bay a lot too because of Aaron Rodgers, of a lot of their weapons. I think Mike McCarthy is an insanely overrated head coach. Uh, they lost Micah Hyde, who was a special teams and defensive playmaker for them. I don't know, Benny, would you say they shored up their running game? That they had a receiver playing running back for most of the last season in their most crucial games. Did they shore up their running game? I don't know if they absolutely shored it up, but I, I want to say that they have the firepower to get by with it. But, you know, time will tell, I suppose. Yeah, you know, they added Martellus Bennett. You're going to get Jordy Nelson back. You still have Randall Cobb. And Aaron Rodgers, frankly, gets it done with whoever. Uh, a lot of people are saying they're a sure-shot Super Bowl team and a division winner. I don't necessarily agree, but I do have them winning the division at 11-5. Second place. I wavered back and forth on this. It comes down to who do you like more, Matt Stafford or Sam Bradford? And I really like Matt Stafford. I think his teammates like him because he makes guys money. He gets guys touchdown passes. He can stretch the field, he can play the intermediate, and he's pretty clutch. The Lions won a lot of close games last year. I see uh, that trend continuing. I see the Lions uh, potentially sneaking in the playoffs here at 9-7. and seven. Third place, Minnesota Vikings, 8-8 eight and eight with Sam Bradford. Uh, classic kind of Sam Bradford thing. Um, they have the talent, but I don't know if... Uh, if it'll be enough in a division with Green Bay and uh, a pretty tough schedule. The Bears. A lot of people have the Bears at 2-14, 1-15, 3-13. I think John Fox isn't getting enough credit. He runs a tighter ship than a lot of people think. From what I've seen from Trubisky, whether it was college or the first preseason game, I like Trubisky, man. I like how he moves. I like his fastball. I like the quick release. Yes, the Bears do not have a lot of talent, but John Fox will have the defense competing. Uh, maybe you, you know, catch some momentum with a hungry Glennon or a Trubisky. I see the Bears at like five and eleven. The NFC South, 
similar to the AFC South in the fact that it's tricky. It could go a lot of different ways. Some up-and-coming young teams, uh, some established teams that you don't quite know about. I really like this Falcons pass rush. I like this Falcons swarming aggressive defense. I think they win the division again. I cannot believe many pundits have them as a setback year. I cannot believe Colin Coward listed them at 8-8. Eight and eight. I have the Falcons winning the division at 11-5. Potent offense, playmaking, brutal defense that can get after it. I don't care about the Super Bowl hangover in this instance. I just don't care about it. I really like this Falcons team. 11-5. Second place in the NFC South. For me, this is something I wavered on. I think this is a total toss-up. really like Christian McCaffrey. really don't like Cam Newton. They have the healthy Kelvin Benjamin back. How long will that last? We don't know. Total toss-up. I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to give you your hard knocks. Divas, the Tampa Bay Bucks. Second place in the NFC South at 9-7. I uh, believe in Jameis. More importantly, I think his teammates believe in him. Love the addition of Deshaun. Love pairing him up with uh, Mike Evans. And I love the O.J. Howard pick. They do some things on defense. And you get the muscle hamster back at running back, Doug Martin. I think they make another step forward at 9-7. Third place, I have Cam Newton's Panthers at uh, seven and nine. Cam Newton is just not obsessed with football. He's not obsessed with the preparation for football. I don't see much around him. I don't see much on defense that scares you there. Had a very strange offseason. Not saying they're a terrible team. I just don't see them winning the division like a lot of the national pundits do. They want to ride along with the sexy franchise quarterback Cam Newton pick. Newsflash, folks. Cam Newton is just a lower-tier franchise quarterback like a Donovan McNabb. Inaccuracy. Crybaby. Doesn't love preparation. Inconsistent. Turns the ball over and a run-first offense. That is not characteristics of a top-tier NFL franchise quarterback. The Saints, Kamara and Peterson in the backfield are intriguing, but they've been a pass-first team since Drew Brees and Sean Payton got there. They added some guys on defense who I like, but no true difference makers that'll separate, uh, separate in a game. I have them finishing in last place. It's unbelievable how Sean Payton gets these free passes. I think they could probably lose a lot of close games. One of those scenarios, I have them at 6-10. and 10. Now, to in my opinion, the best division in the NFC, the NFC East. These teams beat up on each other. For a very long time, I felt like this division was very mediocre. I do not think it's mediocre anymore. I like all four quarterbacks. I like the talent throughout all four rosters. For the most part, I even like how the teams are coached and ran with certain exceptions. First place in the NFC East, I have the New York Football Giants at 12 and four. I see a team last year that made the playoffs, 
that was very good, that won, what, Benny, 11 games, they got better, and they got more experienced. And now another year in the system. Really like what they have going on. The only guy that can hold them back is Eli Manning. If Eli Manning's turning the ball over like a madman, or gets hurt, and they're forced to play a Geno Smith, they're in a lot of trouble. I trust their offensive line more so than others do. I absolutely love their weapons. I like both tight ends. I like the kid they picked up from Ole Miss, and I like uh, Rhett Ellison, who they added, who's kind of like a like a halfback, uh, fullback, tight end uh, hybrid. Landon Collins, Jenkins, Tomlinson they add from Bama, add a few other pieces on defense. They've seemed to stay healthy through training camp. I'm a very big fan of this Giants team, and I think they can find themselves in the Super Bowl at the end of this year, or potentially the NFC Championship game, one or the other. Very viable contenders, not getting any respect. Mind blown that Colin Coward uh, has them at 8-8. Eight and eight. Makes no sense to me. Second place in the NFC East, the Dallas Cowboys. The mammoth offensive line, the interchangeable backfield that will still be able to get it done and survive the Zeke Elliott suspension, which I truly believe will be shortened. The weapons on offense, the addition of like a Switzer, this Rico gathers at tight end, is having a tremendous training camp in preseason. Really excited about what this Cowboy thing can do, this Cowboy team can do because of Rod Marinelli on defense. I think he's going to have those guys getting turnovers, doing their thing. I mean, look at all these suspensions they've had, and they still just kind of purge forward, move forward. They're going to be there in the end, guys, because they can control the clock. They're not going to be a walkover for anybody, and they have a tough schedule. And I don't see them winning as many games as they did last year. But I do see them making the playoffs at 10-6. and six. Philadelphia Eagles. I am a huge Carson Wentz fan. Huge. Top-tier franchise quarterback written all over him. Football junkie. Accurate. Can throw the ball deep. Can move. Hard to bring down. Has a chip on his shoulder. Something to prove. Coming from a smaller school. Great teammate. Truly believe Carson Wentz will have the Eagles in the Super Bowl at some point. Right now, isn't that year? I have the Eagles at nine and seven, with a potential move on from Doug Peterson thing at the end of the year. I have the Eagles at nine and seven. The Washington Redskins. I'm a big Kirk Cousins guy. I'm a big Jay Gruden guy. I like some of their talent on both sides of the ball. They are not. The most well-run organization. I think they'll be in a lot of close games again this year. I think they'll be a potential playoff team down to the end. You never know what can happen. But based on losing to Sean Jackson, based on some of the distractions within the organization with the Kirk Cousins contract saga, I have them at 8-8. Eight and eight. And where Kirk Cousins goes from there, we don't know. So that sums up our... Regular season predictions, the on-the-mark official regular season predictions. And right now, I'm going to give you my Super Bowl prediction. 
This is my preseason Super Bowl prediction. I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb here. I like to do that in all my predictions typically. I like to I like to just bend bend a little bit if that makes any sense. I don't like to go with the consensus. You're a contrarian. I like to be a little bit of a contrarian. I think this Super Bowl would be magnificent. Massive ratings. It would be good for the league. I see a Raiders-Giants Super Bowl. That is my prediction. I'm going to leave it there. It's my preseason prediction. I'm entitled to a regular season prediction as well. So that may change. But write it down. Jot it down. We are going to tweet out and send out off of our Facebook page the official on-the-mark predictions, my producer, Benny the Bear Juice Spielberg's official preseason uh, predictions, along with his Super Bowl preseason prediction as well. We'll be tweeting that out and sending that out via Twitter and Facebook so all our VIP listeners can hold us extremely accountable. Something else I like regarding the Falcons, though, Benny, getting back to them, since so many people, including yourself, have them having a setback year. I like that they are going into a new stadium. I think that kind of shuns, that kind of pushes back some of those dark memories of yesteryear. I think that's one of the ingredients that helps them move forward and continue to win. Yeah, it definitely allows you to turn the page. Exactly. Start a new chapter. Absolutely. Real quick, let me just... Get this in there before I forget. You know how a lot of teams, when they go into a new stadium, they will add a new uniform? Yeah. Man, should they shake those uniforms they have right now. Their uniforms are atrocious. They look like a goddamn high school, a bad inner city high school team's uniforms. Yeah. I cannot stand them. Their uniforms in the 80s and early 90s and up to the Dirty Bird teams were friggin' awesome. Black, white, and red? Are Mm -hmm. you kidding me? That's a great combo. And they still wear their throwbacks to these days. And on social media, people rave about them. They need to go back to those as the full-timers. I totally agree. I mean, and, and the logo on the helmet is too big. It looks retarded. Like the Buccaneers. They tweaked their logo and made it humongous. It looks idiotic. Yeah, I actually like what the Buccaneers did. But the Falcons, I just don't like it at all. I think that you're right. The Falcons should go back either to their old ones or switch it up to something new. Maybe figure out a better way to do it. But yeah. it, what they have now definitely isn't working, and a new stadium would have been the right time to kind of shake that back up. Yeah, I agree. And so you're telling me, though, if the Buccaneers said, oh, we're going to go back to our creamsicle uniforms, well, that's you a different wouldn't story. allow that? That's a different oh, story. Man, I a... mean, the Falcons' old schools are cool, but at the same time, they are just a little bit basic. You know, sure. you, but they are somewhat cool looking. But the but Jolly I mean, Roger wasn't basic. Well, sure, but I'll tell you what. I mean, those Yuckaneer jerseys, those orange Yuckaneer jerseys, yeah. they are amazing. They're up there with the Kelly Greens of the Eagles. Yes, that type of thing. Yeah. And the Eagles definitely should go back to the Kelly Greens. Not a single person in Philadelphia thinks that they should have. Exactly, including owner, including certain members of the front office. Um, Seriously, the ownership thinks so, too. Well, they Jeff, came out. Jeffrey Lurie is the one who changed it. He wanted yeah. to put his own stamp on the team. Yeah, I think he's even regretting it. Yeah, I do, too. I do, too. It's just not a good uniform. It's not the worst, but, dude, it, it, it's weak. The Eagles uh, it's have some no tremendous good. logos, some tremendous uniforms. Like, the maybe, 
I would almost go as far as to say the Eagles have had some of the most underrated uniforms in all of sports. Sure, but I just don't like the dark green. It's hard. It just yeah, it just doesn't say and it to in me. The, in the eighties, they had a darker green, but it was a forest green. Yes, yes, and that's, that's fine. okay. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is a midnight green. Yeah, it's I just ridiculous. don't like the it's dark, stinks. dark green. I mean, at least they kept the wings on the front of the helmet. Yeah, at, at no, least they God kept that, that classic look. But at the same time, just keep the colors what it should be. I know. Really bad. And it's been bad. And then they use these black jerseys, which I take uh, offense to. I think it's ridiculous. If I was Al Davis, who was a lawsuit-happy guy, I would have sued the NFL for all these teams, or sued every team individually, for making all these teams have alternate black jerseys. And when the Buccaneers came about, I would have sued them. I mean, that's a, a, a huge take from the Raiders logo. Oh, well, it absolutely is a take from the Raiders logo. It's just, you know, a take from the name, but it kind of happens all over the place. No, I it mean, does. It does. You know, you have multiple teams that could be called the exact same thing. Right. I mean, there's a lot of bird names, you know, Falcons, yeah. Eagles, Seahawks, Orioles, Cardinals, you know. All that. So, yeah, it happens in sports. There's only so many names to go around, really. Uh, so many concepts where you can create a name from, too. Yeah, I mean, you know, they could be much worse. They could be a big three league. Yeah, well, those names are a total joke. I cannot wait till the big three folds. Nobody has any interest in it. No. It's absolutely pathetic. I haven't ever heard one person bring it up. It's a joke that FS1 decided to carry it. I have my questions about FS1 now. I'm not a fan, and I never will be a fan, and I just have no interest in watching it. I'm with you. I'm absolutely with you. You know, I want to make a point here, but I'm not going to, so never mind. But if if a league came about and was that predominantly white, it would be the biggest travesty and the biggest debacle of all time. They would get absolutely reamed out by the newspapers and the media. Because the league's entirely black, it's okay. What do you make of that? You know, it's probably the wrong week to dig into it, Mark, but at the same time, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, just look how ESPN got killed for having a mock draft auction. <laughs> like, that's the that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. ESPN of all people, the people that go out of their way to hire every goddamn ethnicity <laughs> that's make sure that identifies as every gender. Right, right, right. And, and that's that's all they got now. Yeah. Prince yeah. Ripapat is giving me my football reports. Right. Right. It, it's in, it's insane. And uh, Prince Yeah, I'm following Arash Markazi for the news for the Raiders to Vegas. Yeah. I mean, you know, Kevin Nagandi's a, a Philadelphia gem. People sure. love Kevin Nagandi. Absolutely. And listen, like, there's nothing wrong with that when they have the qualifications. And I'm not saying Prim or anybody else doesn't have the qualifications. Right, right, right. But it's one. It's obvious when just every single person you bring in to replace the old white person it is just not anybody white. So, I don't really care, but at the same time, like, it's just... It's just so obvious. It's, it's uh, so obvious yeah. and over the top and outrageous. And the fact that then they get called... 
promoting slave ownership yeah, yeah, is yeah. just so out. I mean, we're we're kind of de- we're defending ESPN here. I, mean, I know, and we're the anti-ESPN. That's know? how stupid this week has been. Yeah, it's how far-fetched. Yep, I know. And um, Charlottesville will make you do crazy things. Yeah, people. we're losing our mind in Charlottesville. The neo-Nazi white trash morons. The Antifa, which I have no clue what that means or is anti. I don't. I don't know. I thought those were like the militia guys. Yeah, they're just always in the middle. They're the they're the far left guys. They're the militia. They show up like dressed as like they're going in to all war. Black, right? Oh, I thought they were the ones all camoed out with the rifles and what the militia. They, what they are are the college dorks who haven't got laid yet, yeah. who become brainwashed by their professors. Why not? They're loser pothead professors and reading yeah. their God and Wood. That's gonna last until next year. You're gonna be in here regurgitating Gordon Wood, talking about you know the pre-revolutionary utopia and the capital forming effects of military mobilization. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's who Antifa is. Kudos to the Atlanta Falcons for these low concession prices. Gotta respect it. Lowest, Arthur Blank. Lowest guy. concession prices in pro sports. Atlanta Falcons owner Arthur Blank, who's a blue-collar-ish kind of guy, beings that he started Home Depot. Sure. So he serves and caters to blue-collar businesses blue-collar people, hands-on men and women and transgender. I didn't want to offend. I didn't want to leave anybody out there. But. Yeah. And yeah, uh, so a quick run-through here. Regular soda and a souvenir cup soda. Souvenir cup, four bucks. Regular soda, two. Endless refills. Bottle of water, two bucks. Regular premium draft beer, nine. Regular domestic draft beer, seven. Small premium, small domestic, six and five. Chips and salsa, three. Cheese nachos, three. Fresh popped popcorn, two bucks. Super pretzel, two bucks. Peanuts, three bucks. M&M's peanuts or or plain or Skittles, three bucks. It's a nice gesture, man. Yeah, I love the move by them. And it's the way it should be. I mean, these tickets cost so damn much. Dude, parking. Uh, anyway, yeah, parking. parking passes. Forty, fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. Like, how much do you want me to spend to come to a football game? And I think he did it the right way because I think he's smart enough to see that red zone is killing yeah. the in football stadium experience. Yeah. And it's the to the point that when you're creating a new thing, you need to bring people out to it. You need to make your money back. And he knows if I can lower the price by fifty dollars for a family. If a family can now bring their three children and eat for 20 bucks, yeah, I mean, let's be honest. That's going to help bring people in. For sure. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's a nice tactic. Hopefully we see other people doing it. I mean, I don't see why not. I mean, they're, they're, they're making a killing anyway. And at the worst, Falcons fans are going to be trash tamered. Yeah. So everyone's going to have a good time. Right. Right. Yeah, they got a good situation going on. They got an owner's uh, dream going on. A great team with a good head coach and a franchise quarterback going into a new stadium, coming off of a Super Bowl year. It's pretty cool, man. All right, Benny, get us the break, and when we come back, gang, we're on the mark. We'll wrap this thing up. When I was six years old, I broke my leg. I was running from my brother and his friends. Tasted the sweet perfume of the mountain grass I rolled down 
You are now on the mark with the Conor McGregor of podcast, your host, Marky Mark. Little interesting graphic I just pulled up on the phone here, Ben. According to Westgate Sportsbook out there in fabulous Las Vegas, the most bets coming in to win the Super Bowl. To win the Super Bowl. Number one, the Raiders. The Oakland Raiders. Number two, the Green Bay Packers. Number three, the Dallas Wow Boys. Number four, the New York Football Giants. Number five, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Personally, I'm surprised to see the Raiders at one. I, I, I wonder if them moving to Vegas has anything to do with that. And seeing the Packers at two makes some sense to me. And the Giants at four makes some sense to me. If you listen to the show earlier on, how I put them in my Super Bowl prediction. Um, Steelers, yeah, sure, why not? And uh, Cowboys at three really surprised me with all the defensive suspensions and injuries and uh, the Ezekiel Elliott suspension saga. Um, but at the same to- on the same token, we know they're talented. We know they can win a few different ways, and why not them? Yeah, I'm not really shocked by the list, I got to tell you. I mean, the Raiders being one is a bit surprising, but it makes perfect sense because they had somewhat of a meteoric rise in the last two or three years, and they're primed to really make a push. Yeah. Especially because a team such as the Broncos that had a stranglehold on that division the last couple of years is kind of really taking a couple steps back. So it's theirs for the taking. So the Raiders makes perfect sense to me. I'm sure moving to Las Vegas has created some buzz around Las Vegas for these Raiders. I hear that Raiders hats are everywhere out there in that desert now. So it, it makes sense. But, I mean, you look at the list. It's literally the five most popular teams outside of the Patriots. And there's no money to be made on the Patriots, despite me already having my money for the Patriots to win the Super Bowl. But uh, those are the teams that you can still make some money on. And they're the five most popular teams in the league, essentially. Cowboys, Raiders, Packers, Giants, Steelers. They are the five most popular teams. Seriously, outside of New England is arguable. Those teams are more popular than New England. Yeah, arguably, sure. Globally speaking. Absolutely. Um, the 49ers are globally very popular, but they're a total dumpster fire uh, turds in the punch bowl right now. They won, what, two games last year. They're not going to win many more than that this year. Well, when you give your head coach and GM 15-year contracts, mm-hmm. 
you know, they don't have much of a hurry to get right, get right. things rolling. You know, right. you get a couple pieces here and there and figure it out. Now, Benny, we, we have a lot of listeners right here in beautiful Philadelphia, and they want to hear about their Eagles. The Eagles. So, once again, I really like Carson Wentz. I like Alshon Jeffrey a lot. Has not practiced really at all during training camp. I don't think they're going to maximize the Garrett Blunt like the Patriots were able to in that rotational backfield uh, with the threat of the Tom Brady passes, the trick plays, just all the dynamics that the Patriots bring to the table. So I don't think you're really going to see the same with Garrett Blunt that you saw in New England. I cannot stand Torrey Smith. I think he stinks. I think Nelson Aguilar stinks. Totally disagree with them trading away Jordan Matthews like they did although it won't make or break them. Like the kid Mac Hollins, I think he has some potential. Um, I believe the offensive line is overrated. Uh, Lane Johnson is a suspension away from missing, what, a full season outright. Jason Peters can't stay on the field. I'm just not a believer in the offensive line like many are. With that being said, Carson Wentz will mask a lot of issues on that team and they will get by. I'm a big Jim Schwartz guy as a defensive coordinator. They picked up Ronald Darby, who's been inconsistent. Not quite sure why they had to have him out of all the corners that might have been available. I like their safety play. I like their pass rush. The first round pick is going to be a stud. Fletcher Cox is a big time player. Brandon Graham, although I think he can be neutralized, is a very good player rated out tremendously the past two seasons on pro football focus. And Hicks in the middle is a playmaker. The safeties are strong as well. I mean, there is some talent to be seen, some talent you can see there. I just don't think the corners are going to get it done this year, and I don't think they have enough around Wentz on offense yet. The chemistry isn't there yet at the very least. So, it's clearly not the Eagles' Super Bowl year. Would you agree, Benny? Oh, I absolutely agree, Mark. I, I think you're crazy to have them at nine wins. I don't see a chance these Eagles get more than seven wins this season. Have you seen this schedule? What did they go last year, Benny? Last year they went seven and nine. I think at best they're seven and nine this season. I could see them taking a step back, but that's not demeaning the team that they have. I think it's a better team than last season. Uh, like you, I love Wentz, but Wentz cannot fix the opponents that he's going to be seeing on the other side of the field. They got legitimate talent on the other side of the field in all of but maybe two three games this season week in week out they're facing tough opponents yeah. they're gonna get murdered this season I, I, you know they're i don't lose think a lot of division games though yeah i don't think that they're one of the worst teams in the league by any means they could be around 500 but i don't see any chance that they're above eight wins a lot of people have them as a cusp playoff team I think that's I think that's at best. I, I don't believe in this secondary at all. I don't like the linebackers. The front four is a nice is a nice piece. The secondary is just so young. They're gonna give up so many yards, Mark. It's gonna yeah. be shootouts nonstop. And I love Wentz, but he absolutely cannot win them eight games. I I just don't see any chance. And what is Doug Peterson supposed to help navigate it? The man doesn't know his asshole from his elbow, Marky. Look, I like some of Doug's uh, game planning. I like some of his in-game play calling. But then he just had some major hiccups 
going for it on fourth down with the wrong field position at the wrong point in time. Some major head scratchers where it was too early in the regime with too many young players to call those type of plays in those situations that he did last year. It was weird. Oh, uh, Marky, every time the guy opens his mouth, I dislike him more. Oh, yeah. I yeah I, I'm I, just I, more and more convinced he's a loser every time he talks. I can't stand his press conferences. Uh, he seems kind of weak almost. Like, um, I don't know. He's Andy Reid light. Yeah. He's yeah. Andy Reid light. It's like when you're down trying to download a program and you don't want to pay for the real program, so you get the free yeah. light one that does like two of the features. That's, that's if, Doug Peterson. If Jeffrey Lurie loved and respected Andy Reid so much, why the frig did you ever get rid of him? Yeah. You know, Jeffrey Lurie, it starts at the top, man. He was never a championship caliber owner. Sure. He's a Hollywood weirdo, uh, always worried about business first, uh, making money first, which I don't necessarily blame him for. But have people in place within your organization to worry about that. Get the right people in place to win from the business standpoint, and get the right people in place to acquire talent and win on Sundays. And Mondays and Thursdays, like this league likes to play. Yeah, I think <laughs> Andy Reid loves Doug Peterson, and despite Doug Peterson fucking around in KC and getting himself shipped out, he's still got Doug Peterson a head coaching job. Yeah. And Peterson never even called plays in Kansas City. It's so unreal. Yeah. He's not an NFL head coach. He's the first female head coach in NFL history. Uh, how how do you expect to go into Seattle with Doug Peterson at head coach? Have Oakland come on Christmas Day. A game that Oakland's going to need for either home field or Oakland's going to murder them. This Raiders team travels east well now. I don't even care who if Denver's playing one of us at quarterback. Yeah. Uh, Doug Peterson's going to call plays against that defense? Look, let's, let's give the Eagles some slack here. Doug Peterson does have a familiarity with the AFC West. That will help some. That will help some. I I just don't see any chance the Eagles are even 500 this season. You, know, you see them at six and ten, seven and nine. I think seven and nine, and that's like being generous. That's because I actually do like the team. Lane Johnson's back. I think he he's going to stay around. You never know if the rest of the line can stay healthy. But you know that's any team. You yeah, got, for sure. That's you, a, yeah. you just got to look at it like they can stay healthy, and if the whole line can pretty much stay there if Peters and everybody can be there I mean they got a nice line so Wentz is going to be upright they're going to put up points yeah. I just don't think the defense is going to be able to stop many of these offenses yeah and it's going to be a testament I'll tell you right now it's going to be a testament to Wentz when they do put up these points because they do not have much around him oh Wentz is going to be chucking the ball yeah. man you know I don't know what his chemistry is like going to be like with Alshon Jeffrey I don't know what Alshon Jeffrey's health is like it's going to be uh, touch and go with this team, man. Uh, the kid from San Diego State who broke all types of records, Pumphreys, uh, looked like shit at Lambeau. Like I said about LeGarrette Blount, not the same expectations with him in this on this team than in New England. I'm not a believer in Aguilar. Uh, Ertz is not dynamic. Selleck is not dynamic. Uh, I'll say this about Ertz. I've seen unbelievable numbers for him with Wentz when Matthews was not on the field. So now that Matthews' ass is shipped out of town, yeah. they're actually he might be actually going to be putting up some very high numbers. No, he does some nice things, but he's not an, an Evan Ingram. He's not no. an O.J. Howard. No. He, you know, he's not of that nature. He's not of the size and stature of a Gronkowski. Absolutely not. And Alshon Jeffrey scares the hell out of me too because the guy's got all the talent in the world. 
But I'll tell you what, ever since I saw an interview with him, and he was talking about how much he loves basketball, yeah. and his whole life he loved basketball. Yeah. This guy's a huge basketball fiend, and then he realized in high school, ah, oh, you know, I'm 6'3", right. 200. Right. Uh, basketball doesn't appreciate that. I'm, I'm average in basketball, yeah. but if I play wide out, yeah, I'm a star. Right. And that's why he did it. He did it just because he saw a trail to money, and I don't necessarily hate that. But at the end of the day, that's not what I want to build my football program around. And here's here's the other side. I've been very pro-Eagles this entire episode for the most part. But once again, Howie Roseman, with the 2016-2017 version of the Eagles, played fantasy football. Plug a hole here. Plug a hole here. With, you know, notable names. One-year contract. You know, not drafting and developing. Uh, not cultivating a locker room, playing fantasy football, and it doesn't win in this league. No. The only time it wins is when you have an established culture, like in New England, uh, like maybe in Pittsburgh. Sure. Uh, you know, Green Bay will pluck a free agent every couple years, pluck, pluck one or two. That's the only time it works. They didn't draft and develop well enough to pluck like that. So it just becomes a bunch of guys hoping and praying for success, but collecting a paycheck most importantly. Damn, that NFC East is just such a brutal division. Right. They're going to be and beating the, up. I don't think a single team has more than 10 wins this and year. And the team that I predicted will be in last place, albeit a good team, the Redskins, has the Eagles' number. Sure. They own the Eagles. Yeah. So, you know, geez. I mean, are the Eagles good enough to beat this Giants crew? I, I question that. Are the Eagles really good enough right now to beat the Cowboys twice? I, I mean, twice, no. So they're going to split they're with lucky. one and get swept by another. So that's one in three. I think they are lucky if they take one of those four games. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And then you, you look at the Redskins series. The Redskins have their number. So, okay, you split with the Redskins. You're two and four in the division. At best. At best. And you got to play the AFC West. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way they have a winning record this season. And the two weakest teams you play in the AFC West, you're not at home. You have to go cross country. Yeah. And the fun so that's part a is, split. They could start the season five and two. Oh, like they started last year, three and. Nine. And literally end the season with seven wins. Sure. sure. Yeah. It would not shock me. Those first eight weeks up until San Fran, it's not the hardest schedule. Yeah. It's not a pretty schedule, but it's not that hard. But after that. Got Denver, Dallas, a shitty Chicago, but then Seattle, L.A., New York, Oakland, Dallas a second yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, That's tough. That's bad. And look, what I'm banking on with my Eagles prediction is the year one to two jump of Carson Wentz and the year one to two jump, believe it or not, hopefully, of Doug Peterson. That's my theory based on my trust in Wentz. Well, I'll tell you what, everyone talks about sophomore slumps for players, and I don't think Carson Wentz will have one. I think he's the real deal. I think he's money. Yeah, I think we see Carson Wentz in the Pro Bowl this year. Not but that, I think not Doug Not that that Peterson, matters. They put 500 people in the Pro Bowl now. I think Doug Peterson has sophomore slump written all over it. Huh? How the hell he even got that team to seven wins last season was a miracle. The 2017 NFL Pro Bowl. Come to you live from Beijing, China. <laughs> Span the game, man. Yeah, man. If they could play it on Mars or uh, the moon, they may. I heard Antarctica's being talked about. Yeah. Well, getting a pro team there. 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you gotta expand the brand. The uh, the Antarctic uh, Huskies. Yeah, that fits. That works. The Antarctica Snow Dogs. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, I kind of like snow dogs. Yeah, snow dogs is cool. Coached by Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> <laughs> a retired Cuba Gooding Jr. Yes. from uh, from Show Me the Money. Absolutely. What the hell was that movie called? Jerry Maguire. From Jerry Maguire. Show me the money. Yeah, love that. The Quam. Yes. Quam. That's your word. Hell yeah, that's my word. You know, some dudes might have the coin, but they'll never have the quam. <laughs> well, there you have it, gang. We're starved for football, but we're ready. We're prepared. We got our notes gathered. Uh, constant evaluation throughout this preseason. Here at On The Mark, we don't give a fuck about the protests uh, on the sideline during the national anthem. We're worried about what these teams are doing with their rosters, how these players are developing. Constant, constant gathering of information here, and we are going to be unleashing some monster picks this year. Picks you'll have to listen in for. We're going to uh, we're going to do a killing this year. This is the strongest stranglehold I've had on an NFL season to date. In, I'm with you, Mark. In all my years, I've never felt so confident about this stuff. I know this league. I know these rosters. I know these players. You guys know who's protesting. I don't know much about that. I know these coaches. I know these coordinators. The position battles. I got the inside track. Listen in on the mark. We're probably going to make you big time money this year. Oh, we're going to hit them hard, baby. Yeah. I'm excited. It's, it's money making season. It's as simple as that. And um, for my co-host and producer, the great Benny the Bear Juice Spielberg, and myself, Markel Foltz, we wish you a fine, fine rest of your day. And when we talk to you again, we'll be that much closer to NFL football and what we enjoy, making a lot of money. Good night, cool world. I, I'm a one-way motorway. I'm a road to drive follows you back home I I'm a streetlight shining I'm a white light blind and bright burning off and on oh, It's times like these you learn to live again
This is On The Mark service announcement. Please do not miss next week's highly anticipated episode.